Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. My name is Pastor Jude. If you don't know it, I'm married to Pastor Becky, the most beautiful pastor I've ever seen. And guess what? We're grandparents. We have five grandchildren, one on the way. And uh, in a few years, I get my AARP card, and I'm proud, and I'm going to use it. I will get discounts at the cinema, and so I'm just really happy about that. Uh, This is staggering today. I've been in this church for many years. This is beyond staggering. You feel the real presence of Jesus. Last summer, Becky and I were in Italy for two months, and Sometimes when you go to a place that's different, they have a different pace, different rhythm, you begin to get a different perspective. And I believe the Church of Jesus Christ, we need a different perspective coming out of a global pandemic. And I want you to know the war, this cataclysmic battle that we're sensing Please do not think it's one party against another party or liberal versus conservative. Really, it's two opposing spirits, one that is a godless, secular approach to living, and the other is a God approach to living. And we are living in the end of the end of times. If it was the end of times 2,000 years ago, then it's the end of the end of times. And God began to give me a vision that passed through my mind as I would lay in bed at night or when I would awaken in the morning. And in captivity, Joel, a prophet, he said this in the last days, that your sons, your daughters, and I want to release right now on the younger generation, uh, for the Z generation, the millennials, the spirit of seeing and knowing. You cannot live life just on your intellect alone. Josh, Christiana, there is a spirit that's going to come upon us, and I believe we're going to begin to see, and the Bible says in the last days, Your sons and daughters will see visions. Your elderly will dream dreams. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter quoted, he reiterates this. They said, what's going on? He said, this is what Joel spoke about. That in the last days, I am going to pour out my spirit on everyone. So from Walmart to Wall Street, everyone is going to experience the Holy Spirit. From Rhode Island to Massachusetts, from Harvard to the community college, everyone is going to experience the Holy Spirit. And anyway, I had a vision that passed through my mind. I want to give you some scriptures to give a biblical precedent. God still speaks through dreams and visions. And I believe it's one of the main ways God speaks. If you have your Bible, go with me to Daniel chapter 2. And I don't know what's on your dream board. You should have some type of dream But you should put God's dream on your dream board as well. 
in God's dream, and I am sensing the pulsating outpouring of the Holy Spirit in an unprecedented way. A few weeks ago, California had a hurricane and earthquakes, and they called it a hurricane. You'll never guess the name of the hurricane. Hurricane, earthquake, Hillary. I thought, well, that was appropriately named. <laughs> And so we were sitting in our car. Becky has a Tesla, which I think that car has a demon. <laughs> and, and it starts rattling. I thought, this car is ridiculous. We're going to get a real car. <laughs> Only to look up and look at the red light was shaking. We had 14 earthquakes less than an hour. Can I tell you, whatever can be shaken is going to be shaken. But that which remains will remain. And I think we're tired of all the new stuff. I think it's time to go back to the ancient ways of the early church to conquer, to overcome, and see our God bring in a harvest. Can you say amen? And so just a precedent for dreams and vision. Say that with me, dreams and vision. This is Daniel chapter 2. It's in captivity. In verse 28, it's a Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel answers him because he had a vision. But there is a God in heaven. Say that with me. But can we shout that to every capital city in the United States of America? But there is a God in heaven. I don't care who's in the White House, there's a God in heaven. Who reveals mystery. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Well, I'll speak about this morning or for the days to come. Your dream and visions, he differentiates, that pass through your mind. You understand that? You could have a vision with your eyes open. You could have a vision with your eyes shut. You could dream a dream when you're sleeping. But he's saying the vision that passed through your mind, get this, as you were lying in your bed. So this is a scriptural precedent. Go to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel has the same experience. Verse 13. In the visions I saw while lying in bed. Again, we're just saying not an open-eye vision, but lying in bed, a vision passed through his mind. I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven. I'm not from heaven. I'm from California, and I'm holy by the blood of Jesus. And I have a message for New England. Can you say amen? Now let's go to one more verse, just establishing that I had a vision and it still runs through my mind. And I believe it's for now, in the days ahead, for our nation, our world, and our generation. Go to Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And then God answered, write this, write what you see, write it out in big block letters 
so that it can be read on the run. The vision message, get that, this is a vision message. The vision message is a witness. And I feel the power, the person of the Holy Spirit, that this church will become a vision message pointing to Christ in the end of time, to what is coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. It does not lie. If it seems slow in the coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. When I was in Italy, my wife and I, for two months, the vision, and I can't go uh, into all of it because I'm only going to speak this morning briefly on one part of the vision. I saw an ancient rugged medieval castle built of these enormous stones, not like the castle at Disney World that's beautiful. And then in the castle I saw three medieval flags and on each flag I saw a word. I'd like you to write these words down. I saw salvation on the first flag. I want to stop and say, we will see more people saved in the next five years than we have seen in the history of this church. This auditorium is already too small for the number of salvations that are happening. And salvation isn't something you do or I do. It's what's been done to us. And salvation isn't a creed, a program. It is a person. And we will see more people freed, whole, completely saved in the next five to ten years. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. All your enemies, all your weird friends, all your relatives, you're going to fill rows of people with people you know coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I only have one friend. Good. They need to be saved. Amen. The next flag we saw is discipleship. And we are shifting from a movement of trying to be just relevant I think if one thing COVID did, it took the air out of that balloon. We're not just trying to be relevant to reach the world, but we are going to go and shape the world, make disciples of the world, teach the world, and we are going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are followers of Jesus Christ. Let me repeat that. That was like a golf clap. <laughs> that was like the dolphins just scoring on the Patriots. as it got so quiet. Disciple means following Jesus. Have you ever hugged someone who ate a burrito and you walk away and you smell like a burrito? <laughs> Can I say following Jesus means you're so close, you look like Jesus, smell like Jesus, act like Jesus, talk like Jesus. Serve like Jesus, give like Jesus, sacrifice like Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. So salvation, say, you're going to say it with me, salvation, salvation. discipleship, salvation. sacraments. Now, I know that may trip some of you out, whether you're Catholic or not, and you can call me Father Jude if you want to. <laughs> 
And I want to begin to talk to you about the sacraments because what the Holy Spirit told me when I saw this vision, he said, this castle represents my kingdom. And my kingdom never had a beginning. It will never have an end. He said, nations rise and nations end, but my kingdom will last. He said, Jude, what is happening around the world is my kingdom is being attacked by the kingdom of darkness. But his kingdom, Satan's kingdom, had a beginning and it will have an end. And I felt like the Lord said, like a, a, a jug of milk that has an expiration date. The rule of darkness in New England will last longer if we keep it in the dark and isolated. But as we pull it into the heat of the light of the Word of God in Scripture, that expiration date is coming to an end and that kingdom is coming to an end and the kingdoms of our cities are going to become the kingdoms of our God. Can you say amen? amen? The flags were blowing in the wind. If it was a hurricane wind, like Hurricane Hillary, they would have been battered. However, they were gently moving, and the Spirit impressed on my mind. He said, Jude, don't ask me to move. I'm already moving. I am moving across the world. My people aren't quite aware of it, but there, right now there is an awareness that it's going to begin to happen, not just with staff and top leadership, but every person who attends Awakening. You're going to become aware of the moving of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to move and respond to the Holy Spirit, not only in service, but in life, in family, on job, in nation. Can you say amen? And the Spirit of God is already moving. Discipleship is simply following Jesus. Now I want to begin to talk about the sacraments. To me, the greatest verse in all the Bible, the two greatest verses is John 1.1. If you know John 1.1 online or here, I want you to shout it with me. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God, verse 14, and the word became flesh, dwelt among us, we beheld his glory, the glory is the only begotten of the Father. Now I want you to know this, the revival that's coming is going to be a lasting revival. Revivals in the past, we had the Toronto Canadian revival, it was a spirit. We've also had revival of scripture, and it really changed the church. Can I say from the Reformation onward, we've had spirit, we've had scripture, but now in this last revival, God is going to add sacrament. He said, my people are looking for things so new, they have forgotten the ancient sacraments that are channels for power, for freedom, for anointing, and for the presence of Jesus Christ to tangibly come and be meshed in with our humanity. And this revival will have, and you should write this down, it will have scripture, spirit, 
and sacrament. I want to say that again. This revival, it's already happening. You should see the Protestant churches that are bringing back the Lord's table, that more people are being baptized. Get ready, get ready, get ready. More people are going to get wet in this next year than any other year. We're going to see hundreds to thousands of people baptized. Can you say amen? No, I want to list the seven sacraments. The Protestants have about four or five. I want to list the ancient sacraments that the ancient church fathers got from scriptures in the purpose of the sacraments, not only sacred channels. It's not like a hot spot for an iPhone for you to get like lit up with Jesus. It is a meshing of his divinity coming into your humanity. Let me say it uh, this way. Through the sacraments, his incarnation is perpetuated. That his incarnation comes into our broken humanity and you no longer carry just your DNA. You better get a new 23 in me. You have a new DNA and you have become godlike to rule and reign with God in this generation. Now, I'm going to name the seven sacraments, and I'd like you to write them down. They may put them on the board. They may not. Number one, baptism. If you have not been baptized, today is your day. You say, well, I don't know. I, I, I have a private relationship with Jesus. There's no such thing as a private relationship. There is a personal relationship. But didn't, it didn't start with you. It probably started with your mom, your dad, your friend. Did you hear the testimony? The young woman said, a friend's mom led me. Can I say, we're going to see many baptized in Jesus' name. The next one is the Lord's table or communion. I'm just naming the seven. The next one is confirmation, and I'll explain that in a moment. So the first three are baptism. The Lord's table or communion, communion, think of this word, common union, meaning that when we participate in the meal of God, we have a unity with God like no other. So it's baptism, communion, confirmation. The next one they call reconciliation or confession. Now, if you're a former Catholic like me, that kind of scares me. I went into that box and ran out. And so it's baptism, it's communion or Lord's table, confirmation, reconciliation, or confession. The fifth one is the anointing of the sick. Some people, today, they believe that God doesn't heal. Well, catechism doesn't teach that. They call it extreme unction, that when medicine gives up, there is a sacrament that can heal a sick body. So let's name those five. And if you want to say them, you can. It is baptism, communion, confirmation, reconciliation, anointing of the sick. Now get this, holy orders. Now the Catholic Church thinks that's priests and nuns, but I love Martin Luther. Martin Luther believed in the priesthood of the believer. It's not just Pastor Steve and Nancy and Pastor Jordan and Samantha. We're all called to be priests and kings. <laughs> 
And when you function your order, the world will receive Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? You've heard him say, stay in your lane. No, I ain't staying in my lane. I'm staying in my sacrament. My order is from God. Can I tell you right now, John 17, I just memorized the whole chapter with our Bible college last year. Verse 4, I memorized it in Vegas. I have glorified your name on the earth. How? I have finished the work you have given me to do. Today, I believe God wants to reveal to you what is the work he has for you to do. And when you finish it, his glory will come to this earth. Can you say amen? And the next one is holy matrimony. No, 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 no. Marriage isn't a contract. It is a covenant. It is a sacrament. All right? Now, the ancient church fathers, I want you to give you this. They divided these seven sacraments into three categories. The first category is presence, or they call it initiation. What is grace? God taking the initiative. So presence. In presence, can I just say, Awakening Church has always been, from the very beginning with a few people with Pastor Steve and Nancy, a presence-driven church. And you say, well, I don't know, the worship's loud, they really go long, why, why? Because we like the presence. We want the presence, we desire the presence, and it is the presence that heals us. How many of you are addicted to the presence of God? Ooh, man, I got some addicts up in here. Come on. And so the first category is presence. In the, the sacraments under that, number one is baptism. Number two is the Lord's table or communion. Number three is confirmation. Let me tell you, a few weeks ago, and I'm going to walk over to this baptism, I was preaching at Pursuit Northwest in Snohomish and in Seattle. Before COVID, that church was about 500. It's now running over 5,000. They had thousands of believers in the state of Washington that were meeting at the state capitol to have a worship rally. On the front news of the paper in the state of Washington, the Satanist took, uh, took an article out, and the Satanist says, we will show up at the worship event, and we will unbaptize anyone who wants to be unbaptized. And I thought, why didn't they say we're going to undo a megachurch? Why didn't they say we're going to undo a sermon? Why didn't they say we're going to undo a preacher? Why did they say we're going to undo baptism? Because it is a sacrament. And it's where divinity is meshed with humanity. And they can't undo it. He was already born of a virgin. He already died on a cross. He already was buried in the ground. And on the third day, he rose as a man. And he now sits at the right hand of the Father. Undo that. You can't undo it. You didn't baptize me. You can't unbaptize.
recognize me. I've been matched with Jesus Christ. Whoa. Run and tell that. Can you say amen? amen. No. This isn't just getting wet. Sacraments are very earthy. And sometimes Pentecostals want the sensational. Most miracles in the Bible happen naturally, then supernatural. Moses is a shepherd. What's in your hand? Wood, a stick, a staff. And it splits the Red Sea. That may look like water, but something's in the water. If you believe but you have not been changed, you need to be baptized. On Facebook, people say, Pastor Jude, we know what you did. I say, your mama. <laughs> then I follow up. Yeah, I did do that. I slapped you and your mama. <laughs> However, that man died. And in 1980, he was buried in a lake in Louisiana. And when he came up, he is a new individual. He's not only Jew, he's got the meshing of Jesus Christ within him. Oh, man, everyone say baptism. Next one, say the Lord's table. I was raised Catholic. Not a good one. <laughs> Any former Catholics out there? Hail Mary, full of grace. <laughs> I believe in one God. I believe, say it with you, in Father. 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 Oh, wait, wait. Let's do it the Catholic way. In the name of the... Father. Keep it there, keep it there, keep it there. For all the Protestants, Billy Graham... That means Father is the head in the Trinity. Every say, the Son, that means He's in our heart. He's the heart of it all. Then go to the left. Up, oh, I saw someone try to go to the right. You can't go to the right. You go to the left because He came from heaven to earth. If you go right, left, you're saying God came from earth. God is not of earth. He came from heaven to earth. Now you know. Now listen to this. We make this oftentimes a memory. But how can this be a memory when Paul says if you receive this in an unworthy manner, it could cause weakness, illness, and premature death? I want you to begin to think about food, natural food. It's just bread and it's the cup. I want you to think what happened in Genesis. Adam and Eve were perfect. God created them. He said, muy bueno, I like you. He said, but one thing, you can eat anything, but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was a tree. They took one bite, and all of a sudden it got in them. It changed their DNA. It changed their substance, and original sin began. But there was another tree. What about the tree of life? All it was was something to eat. What if they would have taken that tree of life, 
then their substance would have changed. So from that point on, God began to introduce a new diet. They're coming out of Egypt. It says, bring unleavened bread. They're in the wilderness. There's bread from heaven. And they're not sick for 40 years. There's a prophet and there's poison in the stew. Flour, bread, begins to heal. One of the prophets multiplied bread. Jesus multiplied bread. John 6 said, this bread is my body. I want to say, could it be that in the Lord's table, there's a substance, if we receive it by faith, where we begin to get the DNA of Jesus Christ? Let me say it this way. You see, the Catholics call this transubstantiation. That when the priests hold up the bread in the cup, it becomes the actual body of Christ. Martin Luther, the Protestant, let me tell you what he said. Martin Luther said, when this bread and this cup is received within by the believer, it becomes the actual presence of Jesus Christ. Can I say, I remember one time I was thinking of all the generational curses in my family. The first woman hung in Louisiana, my great aunt. Don't mess with me. <laughs> Alcoholism, anger, and I'll never forget, God, I have so many problems. He said, check again. He said, you have my DNA, and I have none of those problems. Maybe we need to look at the Lord's table differently. Can you say amen? Everyone say confirmation. Now, you know what that is in the Catholic Church. You should look it up. I was confirmed when I was in eighth grade. It is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They take it from Romans 8. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. We get a new name. And you know what they said this sacrament does? It perpetuates Pentecost. I want to stop. The team's coming up. Pentecost needs to be perpetuated again in our churches. If we ever needed Pentecost, it's right now, and it's through that sacrament. I believe we need to offer the baptism of the Holy Spirit more often for people to receive the person of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Everyone say presence. The next one is healing, and they take it from James 5. In James 5, let's do the second one, is the anointing of the sick. It says, is anyone sick among you? Let him call for an elder. Let him anoint him with oil. Let him pray the prayer of faith. And the Lord himself will heal him. That's the anointing of the sick. Now the Catholic Church calls it extreme unction. If you're dying, they'll anoint you. But this used to be when everything with medicine didn't work, call for a leader in the anointing. I want you to know my wife is now 10 years cancer-free. I have eight people in my prayer journal besides her that are cancer-free. Frank Damasio now is eight and a half years cancer-free. During COVID, we saw four people on deathbeds on a ventilator get off the ventilator in their breathing. Extreme unction. 
I want to deal with this one in this minute. In healing, the first one is reconciliation or confession. Did you write those two? And the last column is mission. And it's holy orders. That means when you obey God's call on your life, you live how you were created. And holy matrimony. I want to stop. This church will be a church known for a men's ministry, but also for strong, healthy marriages. When the world sees our marriages that we love, we're attractive, they're fulfilling, they're exciting, they will compel people to Christ. Amen? I believe marriages are going to be healed. And this makes strong churches and nation. Now, everyone say confession. I never liked confession as a Catholic. I was in first grade. We had a helper in the house. In that day, I cursed our helper out. I mean, cursed her bad. And my mom heard me using that foul language. She called out and she came and she said, Jude, you're making your first communion today, which means you're going on to your first confession. You have to tell the priest everything you've ever said. So I went into that box, Holy Cross Church, the priest opens the little door. He goes, and this is how his face was. My son, when's the last time you sinned? You guys, I lied in the confession. I go, I haven't. He goes, my son, all have sinned. I started crying and I blurted out every curse word that I said. My penance was to light so many candles, they thought the church was on fire. <laughs> I came out, sat by my parents and go, why is everyone laughing? My mom said, you and your big mouth. The whole church heard all the curse words. <laughs> I would accept Christ and I heard someone say, you don't need to go to a priest and confess your sin. And they quoted me, 1 John 1, 9. When you sin, if you confess your sins, he's faithful, he's just. That's true. I can go to Jesus. But you know what? This sacrament is needed. Right. Becky and I, when we became empty nesters, our communication broke down, if I could be honest with you. We love one another, but we were arguing I think we put too much energy into the kids and not in enough into us. And I'm going to be frank with you. I thought maybe we need to separate. And so I went to the leaders of our church and I kind of told a little bit, ladies, that's what men do. We usually tell a little bit and not the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And the reason why we tell a little bit is because we feel guilty. And so if we tell a little bit, alleviates the pressure of guilt. And so I told a little bit, but I still was not free. And the Spirit of God impressed upon me the sacrament of confession. He said, Jude, I want you to call someone who has authority over you. Call Pastor Benny Perez. 
And so Benny is an overseer in our church. He has the ability to say, you need to sit down for a while. And I knew he could do that. And so I called him. And when I called him, I prayed and said, God, please don't let him answer the phone. (laughs) You guys, he answered the phone. It's what he said next. How's my favorite Pastor Jude? He never says that. I say that to people. It was as if God said it to me. It was as if God, and in my mind, heart is like, you're calling me your favorite, and you know that I have this struggle, Becky and I. He said, what's going on? This time I told him everything. And when I told him everything, thank God for the sacrament of confession. A million pounds lifted off my soul. And he would say, he didn't tell me go light candles. You know what he said? You too need a sabbatical. And we would go to Europe for two months. It's a year ago we returned. And I stand before you. I forever thank God for the meshing of Jesus Christ through confession. You say, Pastor Jude, do you guys still argue? We've had a couple, but can I say, ask her. Something changed. And we look at pastors in America and we make them like they're celebrities. We do not need entertainers that look for a crowd. We need shepherds who can feed a multitude. And we don't need AI new intelligence. We need ancient sacraments that can mesh his divinity with our broken humanity. And we can become godlike in this world. I want to become godlike. I want to be who he created me to be. But as a Pentecostal, I'm looking for something sensational. Instead of the natural water, bread, cup, confession, it's not a contract if you're married. It's a covenant. And God can heal. Is there any broken part of you today? Any dysfunctional part of you? You're only as sick as your secret. Some of you need a good confession. Men, confess up. Your wife should not be your confessor. You need to go to a men's group. They will have a large national men's ministry in this church. That will affect the marriages of this church. 
And then we take over Rhode Island. And Massachusetts, and Connecticut, and Maine, and Vermont. Can you say amen? amen? From Rutland to Smithfield, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.